Welcome back to another episode of In Studio Podcast. I'm your host, Quinn McFadden, and today I'm joined by a close friend and fellow classmate, Dante Diwali. In today's episode, we talk about what it's like to be a student at UNL, our experience with an AIA student design competition, our professional experiences, and tips and tricks we've learned throughout our times that hopefully will help you through build-up week and finals week as we approach the end of the semester. We hope this is the first of many episodes that feature students just like you. If you're interested on being on in studio, please message us on Instagram or visit our website at ais.unl.edu. Without further ado, here is Dante Diwali. Thanks, Quinn. Um, yeah, so I am fifth year uh, master's student, part of the two year at Mark with Quinn. We've been in school together five years now. Um, so thanks for having me. And yeah, so one of the things that I think that this conversation today is going to be a lot about is experience. And with that, one of the things that always shocked me about Dante when I first met him back freshman year uh, was uh, he knew Revit better than anyone else did, uh, probably in the college as a whole. Uh, and was probably, I mean, to my knowledge, I think you're the only person that I've known that's had an internship basically every summer. Um, and so why don't we kind of talk about that? How did you get there? I know the career fair just happened, so this probably doesn't pay off necessarily uh, to those sure. people, but maybe maybe if you didn't get a job, maybe if you did, maybe there's some advice here uh, for how to move forward for a more successful uh, kind of year, so. Sure, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll kind of start with my internship experience and how that kind of started uh, as the career fair just wrapped up. <clears throat> and for me, I have been lucky enough and fortunate enough to have an internship since my freshman year summer. Um, and uh, kind of a side note is I've never partaken in the career fair since I've had an internship all this time. So I guess a quick note to all students, uh, don't rely on the career fair. You can go out and find an internship or that experience yourself. Um, UNL does great to set that up for students as kind of a, a stepping stool, but if you're really eager and ambitious, you can go out there and do it yourself. Um, and so kind of how I got that, my first internship was I was fortunate enough, my father had a connection on a nonprofit board, which just so happened to have a local architect who was also on it. Um, it was a memory for kids thing, nothing related to architecture or my father's profession. Um, and so they just had been talking and my dad asked for his contact information and I reached out and that got my foot in the door. So just kind of that that connection is about who you know, not what you know, but then- But, but then what- who, who wants to hire a first year architecture student? I'm not bashing you guys, but there is some ex, some experience that firms are looking for. They aren't, they aren't looking for a, a, someone who's new to architecture. And that's where I think you have this kind of hidden talent up your sleeve. Yep. And, and so then, yeah, the, the who I knew, or I guess who my dad knew had the strong connection. And then it was the what I know that really opened the door for me. And a big part of that was Revit. And I know a lot of professors and faculty kind of bag on Revit because of how plug and play or how traditional it is um, for the standard of architects. But that, that little bit of knowledge I had on Revit came from high school. My high school had a couple of introductory classes for architecture, exploring the topic, getting used to it, and they used Revit. 
And so that was where I got my first initial start was sophomore year of high school. And I used it um, all three years following high school. And that was what really kind of opened the eyes in my interview was when they said, or when I told them that I had Revit experience, they were shocked and it was very uncommon. So, so that little bit of experience I knew wasn't a whole lot, but it was enough to kind of get the ball rolling and allowed the firm I was working with to give me the chance to, to start learning in a professional environment. Right on. Yeah. And it's always, I think I participated in the career fair since I was a sophomore. I didn't get a position until the following year. I think I was more so laughed at to a certain degree. Well, you don't know Revit. You don't know this. You don't know that. Uh, so great conversations to have and so forth. Um, but I think, I think a lot of students look at Revit and go, man, that's a complicated software. Or they have gone through the one credit hour flyby session of Revit that is in the evenings. I don't know how it's still run, but I can't imagine it's any better uh, than when it started. And Revit can be a tough software. And when you only use Rhino or whatever people are using these days, it can be hard to retain. But what, what are some of the benefits of other than getting a job because you have Revit experience? Uh, is there anything that Revit can do that can really help students out uh, if they learn it and kind of push forward through it? Sure, sure. There definitely are um, some of which I still explore and find new things day to day. Um, I know, Quinn, you ask me questions in office regularly that I still tell you, I'm like, that's a new one. I still don't know about. Um, but for students, Revit versus Rhino kind of thing, Revit offers a level of detail and um, this idea of BIM and the building information modeling that really helps you break down and digest, okay, what am I really building here? Um, and it can start at the very basic level where your walls are just a solid component. They have no materials, they have no studs um, or major thicknesses. But once you start thinking about those things, you can start to see, okay, these are the layers of my wall. This is where my vapor barrier goes. A lot of those details then break down and are more easily understood. Whereas something like that isn't as integrated into Rhino, where then in Rhino, you get a lot of the stuff where you can do a lot of freeform objects and a lot more freedom to do stuff, where then is a new challenge in Revit, which is something I've still been working with and to do a lot more of the um, to get away from the traditional just plug and play or standard modeling of a square house or building. Um, that's where now five, six, seven years of Revit experience, you find ways to kind of break those barriers in different ways to, to still create those projects that your professors then see that, oh, it's not just a plug and play thing, but all those hours it has taken me to develop and find those tools is a lot of experience and can be very daunting, but you just gotta kind of start diving in and then you you take what you learned from Rhino, you see how you can apply it to Revit and I'll do the quite opposite. What can I take from Revit? How does it apply to Rhino? So you kind of use them interchangeably, but it can be daunting as a younger student to try and tackle both. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely probably, now that I don't want to say this. Um, in grad school, I found Revit has been very useful. There's a lot of group projects that you do. Um, 
we have figured out a way to use the college's server and network to be able to host um, Revit projects, which as a side note, as everyone knows, uh, if you've ever worked in a group project with a team of people on Rhino, it's sending the same file back and forth with minor modifications and merging them. And by the end of maybe one or two processes emerging it, you have a thousand layers. Uh, you don't know anything is. Everyone models very differently. Um, whereas Revit, Revit was built to be a collaborative platform, but can also be a standalone platform as well. So uh, it definitely gives you an upper hand and being able to collaborate and work together at the same time in the same model. Um, and so forth. So it's it's definitely got its perks. But maybe first second years, if you're listening to this, I don't know what Bud and Zach think about Revit. Uh, I haven't asked them yet, but uh, maybe maybe not for you. But upperclassmen, I definitely say Revit. Revit's something that you should start exploring, maybe use in your uh, classes as well. Um, and not the and just a quick uh, clarification: the NCO podcast is not sponsored by Iodesk um, or Rhino or any other programs, let alone any company. Um, but I think one of the things I've noticed too over the past semester, and I've only been using Revit for about a year in architecture, two or three years in um, building structures. Um, but Revit can be really, really useful in the later stages of a design project. Especially you can, Revit's not free in the term of like, if you want to design a box, Revit's your program. If you want to design anything that's not a box, Revit's not your program um, mm -hmm. or easily. So, uh, but it's a really great progress where you can find what you want to do in Revit or in Rhino, figure out that kind of stuff and then move it into Revit to do these kinds of things um, like model your barrier. Anytime you're doing detailed sections, Revit's trying to help you. But I think a common misconception with it too is that you shouldn't stop at Revit when you're done. Right. Like a pinup is fine. Like if you're sharing something with this hybrid world we're in, it's great to just have stuff on sheets and you can zoom in, you can turn detail levels on and off so you can show stuff. But um, I think a misconception is people think Revit will just do it all for you. And yep. yep. Unless. And, and I think, I think how you kind of mentioned that Quinn where Revit does kind of that plug and play um, is where I myself have had to challenge myself because it can be very easy to draw these drawings that Revit can, you can cut a section through your building and Revit kind of produces it for you, which I know I've gotten a lot of comments from professors where they tell me like, you need to design that piece. You need to, to work out that specific window element, door element type things where in Revit, you can just grab a door family, plug it in, you have your set of vestibule doors type thing. But where Quinn then is saying that challenging yourself to, to go above and beyond, Revit provides a really great foundation. And to, to work as a strong student and a strong designer, it's then, yeah, like Quinn said, pushing past that boundary, which then starts to work out, okay, maybe I can export this Revit model into Rhino and maybe start to figure out how I can plug in some voids or cut some other geometry. Um, but I, what I would say then is for students, like in, let's say you're in your collaborate as a fourth year um, or even your dry design competition, Revit is really good at, like Quinn mentioned, finding those fine details and exploring those and how those work. Um, so I would say Revit is, is great to understand, but 
you do really want to push past yourself, whether that's exploring with Photoshop renderings or even rendering software or kind of swapping between even like SketchUp or other modeling software that that Revit does a great foundation, but there are other programs that you then use as a student to push past the boundaries to, to show your professors that Revit is not some standard professional thing that does a lot of the work for you. I think one of the misconceptions, well, it's not a misconception, it's very obvious when the only thing you've done is drawn up some walls. Of, uh, if, you, if you look at products that have been done Revit on Arc Daily or from a project that's maybe featured in the newspaper, you're like, wow, it's got all these language. Those are not defaults. Uh, mm -hmm. That is, that's generally the uh, intern or the the uh, tech person in the office who has set up a template and then you're done. And if you do that for yourself once and you set all that stuff up, spend that time to learn the software, learn how to set up a template, then you'll have some of that work. And then instead of having to line away every single drawing every time from a make 2D, you can really speed things up with Revit in that case. But it is so blatantly obvious when you're like, here's my drawings. Um, and it's like, yeah, you uh, drew some walls and Revit, and then you hit print, and that's it. Exactly. Um, and I think part of that, too, is is why so many professors encourage students to stay away from it, is they want them to explore a lot more um, individually and on their own without the help of some software that is very helpful for students if you know how to use it. Um, and like Quinn mentioned, kind of view templates and a lot of other components within really get down to the nitty gritty, and you can really detail everything out um, and create a lot of cool things. But as younger students, th those are the things to learn that are time consuming and hard to figure out on your own. But I will say if you are really encouraged and determined and want to get ahead of your peers or even ahead of yourself for the grade you're in or where you're at in school, um, it's really good to push yourself and learn new software, not even Revit. Um, Revit just happens to be the standard kind of in our profession, um, which is why a lot of firms raise their eyebrows when students say all they know is Rhino. Yeah. Oh, uh, what is it? Vectorworks is a great BIM software. It's the first BIM software, I believe. Uh, I think there's some, I don't get into that, but uh, Revit may have branched uh, off that software pretty well. Uh, and just a shameless plug, Vectorworks is a sponsor of the AIAS. Uh, it's a free software. It's a fairly small software to download. And there's multitudes of resources, uh, uh, both from our organization, from the partners uh, that learn how to use it. And it's a pretty good rendering software from what I've heard that's got built-in kind of render engine to it. I can't say for certain I've never used it firsthand, but I know a lot of landscape students use it. Uh, it's really, really easy to use, but it gets that same concept of BIM out there and that will really help set you up. Uh, if you can tell an employer or a future employer that, well, I, I'm not so great at Revit, uh, but I have explored other BIM softwares. So, uh, that will definitely get you a lot more than when you just say, oh, you guys don't use Rhino. Um, you'll be lucky if they don't laugh. Uh, right, right. But Pivoting away from, or the last point I'll say on Revit too is, uh, um, 
if you're doing construction documents, which probably does not apply to anyone uh, uh, listening to this, um, or if it is, you're a well professional, a professional, and one of our uh, wonderful supporters who's probably laughing at how stupid this conversation is. Um, but with that being said, if you're not doing construction documents, um, or unless you are doing specific construction document drawings, Revit is a good way to make a make 2D. Just take that line work and export out as a DWG back into Rhino cleanup, and then you can do some really cool diagrammatic things. And it's just about using all those different resources. I use Revit as a main modeling tool, but I still use Rhino really heavily. I still use Illustrator. I still use InDesign. Uh, I use Enscape, Lumion, you name it. All these different applications all have the different things, and you just have to really find that workflow that works really well for certain different kinds of things. Uh, diagrammatic, like big diagram, is probably easier done in Rhino and export it out. But if you're doing a detailed section, maybe look at Revit, because uh, I just know there was one time for Jason Griffith's class, I modeled a CLT wall and I had to do, we had to show all those different layers and he wanted to see them in 3D. And pretty soon what Revit does all in one cut and internally shows the lines, but doesn't do it in the model. In Rhino, I had like a foot and a half thick wall with all these like eighth inch membranes modeled and this and that. And I just remember the Make 2D nearly killed my computer. Um, and just, it, it just was a headache. And then I learned Revit about six months later and beat myself up. It was like, so I'm taking two seconds to do, just to draw it. Yeah. Um, I think for me, um, one big takeaway I would hope to give to all you students and listeners is this main point isn't, or this conversation isn't really about highlighting Revit and that everyone should use it. But I think it's more so talking about as students, if you're adaptable and flexible in both the software and the programs you know, but also gaining a better understanding of architecture and design in general through all these programs, you really can digest a lot of what is going on in your own buildings or a precedent you're learning. Um, there's a lot of ways that as students, you can become flexible and adaptable that set yourself apart from students in the same college or students all around the globe. Um, so just learning more knowledge is always power for students. So, For sure. Now, I want to talk about one other thing uh, with you uh, that hopefully helps inspire some students to get involved. Um, back in, what was that, October, September? Generally, it's October, but I think it was September of this last year. It was the AIA Central States Student Design Competition. Uh, and just some context, every year, um, a different Central States region, which is uh, Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, Oklahoma. I feel like I'm forgetting one. Missouri? Missouri, yeah. The state right in between those two. <laughs> um, they host a student design competition within their own annual kind of conference. Uh, and it's a one day short competition. I've attended it twice. Um, two years ago, our uh, university ranked third uh, in the competition. It's a great learning experience. You get usually get to stay with a firm this year. It was, or this past year, it was a little different due to uh, COVID-19. But I just wanted to pick your brain on what that experience was like because um, it, it's definitely not like school and it's definitely not like work. Um, it's somewhere in the middle there and there can be a lot on the line. There's usually, a, I think the grand prize is usually like four or $5,000 mm -hmm. um, and it trickles all the way down to a little bit. So 
just want to pick your brain on what that was like and sure. um, and just go from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, this was my first design competition. I know, Quinn, yeah, you've been kind of involved over the years in various competitions, even outside the College of Architecture. Um, and for me, this was a new experience. And like you said, it falls in their own categories for design competitions that are different than anything else. Um, and that's really what I noticed is that first, that morning we all showed up, it was, hope you got your coffee, let's hit the ground running. Um, and it didn't slow down. I think we were there for almost like 12 hours, 12 hours or so, if not a little longer. Um, and it, it was a great experience. Uh, our team was a team of four, Quinn and I and two other fourth year students who I had met for the first time. I had never known their names even or knew about them partly because of COVID too, you're not in the college and around seeing everyone's work and stuff. Um, but it, it's, it was a good way to, to get to know a couple guys younger than us as well and see how they work and how they operate. But the overall, the whole design competition was, um, it was very impactful and powerful. They throw a lot at you in a very short amount of time and they really ask for some quick iterative thinking and they want an answer within those 12 hours. And it was, it was very challenging um, in the sense that I've never done anything like this before, but it was also really empowering to be part of something where we are competing. I always grew up a very competitive kid and design competition, uh, competing for design was something that was totally new to me. And you really turn the wheels in your brain, or at least I did, as fast as you can, you really try to think, okay, well, this is where we're at, we're looking at this, but what if we flip it kind of back to those, it reminds me of Chip back in DMake where <laughs> he would grab a model you made or one of the few models you made all night and he'll say, what if you turned it upside down? What if you rotated this way? Did you look at it from the side? And so it's kind of those perspectives where you really try and look at it from each and every angle because the one angle you might miss could be a winner type thing. Um, and so then it's the collaborative effort of working with the design team as to, okay, what do we think is the best? How does our team excel at producing one idea? And especially for Quinn and I, um, and for me, especially, how do we work well with two kids that we've never really worked well before um, that aren't in our grade? And so those were some of the challenges. How do we collaborate well? How do we think and how do we produce an idea that could possibly win? Because I think we we're up against a dozen other schools. Yeah, this year it was a lot different because normally it's one school. Each school gets one team of four students uh, plus an advisor and then they get hosted at a firm. But because it was virtual, each team, school got two teams to compete and man that review was long i want to say there was probably yeah like 12 teams i think last year there was six or seven so i would track out pretty well mm -hmm. um, my math is so good at five in the uh, after a work day but um, but yeah there's a lot on the line and i was the first time i competed in it, it was a similar situation i was the fourth year oh yes i was the fourth year student <laughs> And I got thrown in this group with three other master students who were all on their way out of the college. And I was like, wow, clearly I don't know anything compared to these three. And uh, everyone brings a different skill to the table. Um, and because of that, we were able to place that year. Um, not saying that the skills we brought to the table this year weren't as good. Uh, it's just uh, the way you look at things is really important. And 
the part that uh, I think every architecture student struggles with, and this is where one day shreds or really tight schedules really comes into play, is you don't need to think the whole thing out. You just need a big idea, a floor plan, and some really cool hand drawings. Yep. And that's, that's about it. <laughs> yep. I think, yeah, to highlight that is Quinn mentions those like kind of three big factors and kind of those three factors really come together to tell a story. And I know that's the biggest thing throughout the years that I learned in my, my dry design, my collaborate studio, some of those studios that carried a little bit more weight with the presentation that you really realize that it's all about the storytelling of what you're trying to convey. I know a big part of what I just spent one of my Saturdays in kind of a professional class, uh, one of the mini sessions, the, the professional talking was always saying that architects and designers are not there to communicate a legit detail, but a lot of it is about design intent. And I think a lot of that then translate to your storytelling and your story is what you're telling and you're showing it with your intention. Um, and so a big part of that in the competition was really cool because it wasn't, shoot, we need some really detailed sections or a really cool plan with mapped out materials or furniture. It was kind of the big ideas, um, which, which was another really cool aspect from that competition because I know in studio, we're, we're really diving deep into the details and trying to produce all these very detailed drawings um, which was something that was new in the competition for me that we were just really shooting for the home run and how can we, how can we tell that home run in the best way possible, uh, which was a really cool aspect. Yeah. And if you think you forget your concept when you're working in a studio over the course of a couple of weeks and you change things, and you've been saying the same concept for eight hours, start sounding the same. And then at the end of the day, you're like, and what was the concept again? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely a great experience. Um, I mean, I I feel like no one ever listens to me because I just seem to be this uh, overly involved person who is like, maybe it's, you think I'm obligated to tell you you should do it um, as the president of the chapter and so forth. But uh, I mean, from Dante's experience here, I hope that uh, resonates with you guys. I can't remember where it's being hosted next year. I wanna say it might be back here in Lincoln. I could be very wrong on that though. Arts in Oklahoma, one of the two, because those are very similar, obviously. But uh, uh, hopefully, uh, when that design competition or announcement comes out, as many of you can apply as possible. It's always a hard decision to pick who gets to compete because uh, there's so many great submissions. But it's really we sit down and we we try to find well this person's these renders really come through or this person's really good at storytelling this person's this person's really good at this and we try to we try to morph a team together that's going to make the most sense um to go off and compete and so um, i think i think that is one last uh thing to highlight too about that competition is is the team aspect in general uh even working in a professional atmosphere or an educational atmosphere in a collaborate studio the whole team building process is really important in such a quick competition because it's really figuring out, okay, Quinn is really good at X. I'm really good at Y. These other two guys are really good at A and B. Or and, Z. Or Z. <laughs> and so it's really figuring out and communicating as a team, which really translates to the professional world too, is that, okay, this one person is really good at renderings. 
doesn't mean they're going to be stuck doing renderings the whole time, but that's what they can do really quickly rather than let's say Quinn isn't the best at it and would take a couple extra hours to produce the same thing that someone else could. So it's kind of finding, okay, where is our team's strong positions and where is someone lacking and how do we maximize our potential? Which was another thing is that we had a member on our team who's great at hand drawing and he did some really cool hand drawings that I know I would never be able to do in my lifetime. Well, it taking me a week to yeah. do what you did in a couple hours. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, once again, I just want to uh, put a few things out there. Um, and I don't know if this is going to be edited out. So to our editors listening, maybe keep it, maybe don't is our chapter is about to go through a really big leadership uh, shift. We have had some amazing students serve on our executive board over the past year uh, or the past couple of years. And a lot of those students have done such so many great things here that they're planning to do so many more great things somewhere else. Uh, and we applaud them and we celebrate them for doing so. But what that means for all of you is that there are over nine leadership roles, including the role of president, that are open for grabs. And right now we haven't really heard a lot of interest. And so this is an opportunity for you if you if you like what you hear on this podcast, if you've heard things that you like or you wanna get more involved in, this is your time to shine. Uh, there's everything from being a secretary to taking notes uh, to the graphics chair, um, to lean the social service uh, with Freedom by Design all the way up to present. If you're interested whatsoever, hit us up on Instagram, uh, send us an email, uh, Find one of us in the building, if that's a thing, or on Zoom somehow. Um, I just can't stress enough. There's so many great things that this chapter is about to do, and we just need more great people in those roles to do them. And you won't know what you can do until you step into that position to unlock your potential. Um, well said. Very well said. That is, those are the updates I have. Uh, I'll let you guys all get back to the rest of your uh, days or evenings or whatever time of day it is. Um, thanks for tuning in for our first episode back. And if you're interested in joining uh, the podcast team, being on this episode, on one of these episodes, please once again, reach out to us. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day and thanks for listening.